right, well, good morning, everyone. Again, if you're new today, welcome. My name is Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here. Today, we're starting a brand new series called The Blessed Life. And as we do that, I want to welcome those of you joining us online. Thanks for joining wherever you are today. And as we get into this, I want to encourage you. We're basing this series off of a book by Robert Morris called The Blessed Life. We have it available for you in the, at the Connect Center if you want to buy it. We've got it at a discounted rate for just $10 today. Uh, you can go buy it on your Kindle, whatever it is. But I would encourage you as we go through the series to read the book with us. Uh, some things will be different. Some will be the same. But I believe that this series can change your life. I would ask you today, how many of you would say, I want to live a blessed life? Yeah, just be honest, right? Hopefully all of you, if you don't, you know, I don't, I don't know why you don't want to. But, but, uh, but for us, we, we want that. We want to be blessed. We want to be a blessing. We want to experience all that God has for us. And as we go through this series, I wanted to define what the blessed life means. Because sometimes it's really not what we think it is. How many of you know that God often, it's kind of a setup in his word, okay? That, that today and, and really throughout this message in this series, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm setting you up for something. To hopefully change the way you view yourself, the way you view your life, the way you view your time, the way you view your money in the terms of God's way of handling those things. And so when it comes to the blessed life, we're going to define it this. The blessed life means having supernatural power, which only comes from God, Working for you. How do you do that? How do you get God to work for you in all areas of your life? In Deuteronomy 14, 29, 15, 10, 23, 20, 28, 8, and 12. Those are a lot of just scripture references for you. Uh, it says this throughout that. It says, God says, I will bless everything, everything, not just your money, everything to which they put their hands to if... And that's what we're going to get into. If God promises, I will bless everything you put your hands to, if. That God's blessed life, his definition is a life where blessing permeates every aspect of your life. Every aspect from your health, your relationships, your careers, your emotions, your thoughts, your, your marriages, uh, your finances, etc. And as we go through this series, what we're going to find out is this. Is that in God's kingdom, the key to a blessed life is a generous life. The key to a blessed life is a generous life. Listen to what it says in Acts 20, 35. And it says, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. And you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. How many of you have heard that before? It's more blessed, you are going to be more blessed. Your life is going to be more blessed, not by how much you can consume, not by how much you can get for yourself, but how much you can give away. How many does that seem a little counter culture to the world we live in today, right? But I want to encourage you. When I was growing up, my dad always would tell me this one thing. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Or don't believe everything you don't believe everything you hear. And in our world, you have to be careful to who you listen to, to what you listen to. Because this world is the exact opposite of God's kingdom. In fact, throughout scripture, we can find God's principles, and I call them the principles of the upside-down kingdom. Because they're opposite. God says if you, want, if you want to be a blessed person, if you want to receive my blessing, you have to be willing to give yourself away. 
And I believe the number one lie that the enemy uses, the devil, Satan, to convince God's followers from not living the blessed life, to prevent them from really living the blessed life, is that we believe, we believe that, that our way is better than God's way. We believe that what the world says is success is actually what is going to make us happy. And we buy the lie of our enemy. And if he can keep us in this spot where we truly believe, and I'm not just talking about in the area of our finances today, but in every area of our life, if the enemy can convince you, if you give it to God, you're not going to be as happy. If you surrender that to the Lord, you're not going to be as happy as you are. And he convinces many Christians and prevents them from living the blessed life because they believe that the world's way is better. That if you truly give your life to God and surrender every area of your life to God, you're not going to be as happy as you think you will. And the problem is, is that most of us buy into that. We believe this. It's more blessed to not give, but to get. And the more we can consume and the more we can get for ourselves, specifically in the area of our resources and in our time, the more we can get. The more we can get of it for ourselves, the more vacation we can get, the more time off work we can get, the more money we can get in the bank, the more we can get set up for our retirement, the more we get, the happier we'll be. We also believe that that more money will make us more blessed, that we think money equals happiness. And when it comes to money and, and happiness, we assume that the connection between the two is more. And I would ask you today, and we've said this before here, how much more money would you need to be more happy? And the answer is more than you currently have, right? If that's your answer, if that's what you think, more than I have, it doesn't matter how much you get. If you think the answer to more happiness is getting more, the answer to being a blessed life is, is, is consuming more, it's an appetite that's never fully and finally satisfied. So you'll always be longing for more. There is a connection between your money and your happiness, but it's not more. Because we all know people who have more money than us who aren't very happy people, right? They got a lot more than you, but they ain't happy. So there is a connection, but it's not more because it's not how much the amount that we have, but what you do with what you have that determines happiness. How you invest your time, how you invest your talent, how you invest your treasure is the key to the blessed life. And scripture says, Jesus says, if you want to be blessed, you want to have the blessed life, you got to give it away. you got to give your life away. And the more you give away, the more blessed you will be. So what is generosity? What does it mean to really be generous? And we're going to talk about that throughout this series. But I love the definition from Andy Stanley. He says this. This is the definition of generosity. It's the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. And for our sake today, I would say time. I'm combining those two things today, our time and our money, the two most important things that we have, and how we decide to give it away and how we decide to spend it determines whether we are generous or not, because most Americans think that they're generous. We think we're generous, but when it comes to the reality of what it means in Scripture, we're not, and we don't really understand what it means to live a life that's built around generosity because it's so counter culture you see people who build their lives around generosity are actually more fulfilled 
we say this a lot here, that the more you pour yourself out, again, it's, it's, an, it's opposites to what we think. The more you pour yourself out, the more you will be filled up. That's the way it works in God's kingdom. But the problem is, is we live in a culture that is not very generous. In fact, it's the opposite. It's greedy. You see, the assassin, the thing that comes to steal generosity, to kill generosity in you, is greed. It's selfishness. And the only antidote there is for greed, and, and we, we're born into this greedy culture. And if you question me, uh, I don't know about your kids, but some of the first words my kids ever said were, Mine! This is mine. I don't want to share. I don't want to give my stuff away. I want to keep my stuff for me. Why do I have to share something that I have with someone else? Because it's the nice thing to do, Maddox. That's what generous people do. And we are generous people. Right? You've never had that talk with yourself or your kids, right? Why should I have to give? This is mine. I worked hard for this. This is mine. And as I tell Maddox... No, you didn't. I worked hard for that. (laughs) But when it comes to your heavenly father, many of us like to think that we worked hard for our stuff. I worked hard for this money. I worked hard for this paycheck. I worked hard for this home. I worked hard for this car. I worked hard for this. And God goes, where did you get all that stuff? Who gave you that? Does not every blessing come from me? Does not every good thing come from me? But that's the problem. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that every good thing you have in your life is because God has decided to bless you with it? That if he wanted to, he could take it away. Do you believe that? Some of you do. Some of you, maybe you don't. But that's the key to the blessed life. It's believing that every good thing I have comes from God. That every blessing I have is because he's given it to me. And you go, well, I work hard for what I have. Who gave you the breath? To breathe so that you could work. Who gave you the talents that you have that you could use them for God's kingdom, right? It's all on how you view yourself, how you view yourself. And the problem is in our culture, everyone says, have it your way whenever you want it. Work as hard as you can. Climb the corporate ladder as fast as you can. And it doesn't matter who you step on to get there. Because it's about you and yours and your family. That's the world we live in. And many of us, even though we acquire certain things and we, uh, you know, achieve certain levels of success in the world's eye, we're not living the blessed life. We're not living the, the happy life that God desires for us because we're getting it backwards. In Proverbs 1, 19, it says, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. The blessed life, I would say. Such is the fate of everyone who's greedy for what they can get. For their stuff. It says it will rob you of the blessed life. You see, greed defined as this. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. We make an assumption that just because it's been given to us, it means it's for us. And again, I'm not looking at this just through our finances today. Think about this through the lens of your time and your money. That just because you have free time, it's all for you. Just because you have extra money, it's all for you. It's making the assumption that what God has given to us is just for us. And to move from a greedy life, which we're all born into, which we have to work hard to get out of, the key to moving from greed to generosity is you have to reprioritize your life. Not just your money, 
but the way you spend your time as well. We have to rethink and reprioritize our lives around generosity and not consumption. Jesus said this in Luke 12, 15. Beware. That means look out. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. Beware of this. Guard against every kind of greed. What do you mean there's different kinds of greed? Every kind. Your money, your time, your career. Guard against all of that stuff. He says life. I would say the blessed life is not measured by how much you own. The blessed life doesn't always equal how much you can get. Instead, it's how much you can give. And to break the grip of greed that our culture has on us, the only antidote for greed to get to generosity is to give. Every time you give, you break the curse of materialism. You break the bondage of greed over your life because giving is the exact opposite of greed. Greed is all about what you can get, and to break its grip on us, we need to do the exact opposite. Give, and then we give again, and then we give again. So today, hopefully I've convinced you that a generous life is the key to a blessed life, but how do we become generous in a world that we live in? It's very difficult to do. And I would say this, that generosity starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. It doesn't start with your pocketbook. It starts right here. This is where we all have to begin, is we got to take a good look at our hearts. And today, as we go through this series, I just want to tell you, and I'm going to say this again in a couple weeks as we get into this, that I don't always do good at what I preach, okay? I just want you to just, just receive that, okay? I'm not, I don't, just because I can preach it like that doesn't mean that I've got it down. In this series, in this book, I promise you, I read this book a few years ago and I'm rereading it now as we go through the series. It will change the way you live your life. And as I read it then, I've slipped back into habits where I think that, no, 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 this is the key to being blessed. Oh, this is the key. This is how I got to live. This is how I got to handle my money. This is how I got to do these things. This is what's going to make me more happy. And as I'm rereading it, I promise you it's going to challenge you. And just because I'm preaching, it doesn't mean I've got it down. And I want to say this to you, that, that my job as the pastor, as your leader, as your shepherd, is not to just tell you things that are always going to make you feel good. Okay? Like, like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could just come in here and just, you know, give you the fluff all the time. And then, but the key is, is that God has a plan for you. And his word is, is throughout all of us. Sometimes I hit on some of you here, you're generous people. You already got this down. You'd be like, man, I'm living this out. I'm a testimony to this in the way that I give of my time and my resources. I live this out. And so you're going to be like, I'm, I'm feeling good. You're going to be amen to me throughout the whole series, right? But then there's other weeks where I talk about things that you struggle with and that I struggle with. And, and so I can't avoid a subject just because it's, it's, it's challenging that I have a job to deliver the word of God to you in a way that's going to get all of us to a place that we can truly live the blessed life. Even if it's counterculture. Even if it challenges you and pushes you beyond your comfort zone. So generosity starts with the heart. And as we begin this series, that's where we all have to start today. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said this. These are his words, not mine. For where your treasure is... There your heart will also be. 
Now think about this, that Jesus put treasure first and not heart first. He could have said, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Think about the importance of this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So Jesus is saying that our treasure and heart are connected. And where you send and spend your money, there your heart will also be. So the heart follows treasure, not the other way around. So everything else follows our heart, but our heart follows our treasure. Your emotions follow your heart. Your thoughts follow your heart. Your feeling, your time, that follows your heart. But he says, no, no, no. The heart actually follows treasure. So if you want to change where your heart is at, you have to change the direction of your money. And this is the key that you have to believe me today. God isn't after your money. He's after your heart. But those two things are connected. You can't separate them, Jesus said. And so if you want to change where your heart is, and today maybe you're there like, my heart just isn't in it. My heart isn't in the things of God. My heart isn't in the kingdom of God. My heart isn't all in this. It's more in me. It's more focused on me and mine and my family and this. Jesus says if you want to change it, change where you spend and send your money. And that's challenging. But you have to believe. You can't believe the lie of the enemy. You can't believe the lie because here's the deal and why a lot of churches don't talk about money even though Jesus spent two-thirds of his time talking about it. Churches and pastors like me take a lot of flack for it because they think we're just after your money. That you just want more of my money. And as we get into this series a little bit, we're going to give you a financial view of our church. And we're going to be very clear. We don't need your money right now. Of course we need your money, but we don't need it. We're not in a financial crisis. Right? We're not in a crisis where I'm like, oh, I got to challenge the people so we can pay the bills. No, that's not where we're at. You're not just going to hear it from me. You're going to hear it from our treasurer. That's not where we're at. That's not the point of this. I'm not trying to get something from you. I promise you, you got to believe this. You got to trust my heart. I'm trying to get something for you. I'm trying to get you out of this culture that we're stuck in and get you to a place where you're living the blessed life. And unfortunately, Jesus said, not me, if you want to get to that place, you got to learn how to deal with your money. Because the, your money is the chief competitor for your heart. You don't believe me. What about this? Think about this. We had someone one time donate to the church through stock market, right? They donated stock to the church, and we can cash that out. And if that's an option for some of you, we'd be happy to take your stock and cash it out. It's a win-win for you and for us. And so, uh, so we, we did that, and, and I promise you, he donated a, a Netflix stock to us, and that's what we had. I never, ever cared about Netflix stock before in my life. I never looked it up. I couldn't tell you what its stock code was. I can now. Why? Because our resources were in there. Resources that were given to our church were then put into the stock market. If you think about that your heart doesn't follow your money, invest in the stock market and see how much you check on it. Right? It changes us. You see, generosity isn't a bank account thing. It's a heart thing. And generosity is the key to a blessed life. And if you want to change where your heart is, Jesus says you've got to change the direction of our money. But today you have to believe this. The church doesn't need your money. And more than all, God doesn't need your money. I've talked to people about that before. Like, why do you think you've got to give your money? Well, because God needs it. For the... Really? You think God needs anything from us? 
You don't think God can do whatever he wants us to do? You see, God isn't after your money. He's after your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. Jesus goes on and says, the heart can only serve one master. No one can serve two masters. Matthew 6, 24, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's see, if this was me, I would think about this all the time. You cannot serve both God and the devil. But he doesn't say that. He says you can't serve both God and money. Your heart can only be in one place. And so if your heart isn't in the kingdom of God, if it isn't in the things of God and and what God is doing in the world, Jesus says change the direction of your money because you can't serve both. You'll either serve God or you'll serve your stuff. You see, the chief competitor for your heart and for your devotion isn't Satan. It's not sin. It's our desire for stuff, for money, so we can get more stuff. And you say, well, I don't serve my stuff. I don't serve money. If you really break down this word love in this passage where Jesus says you can't serve both God and money, it it, it means to be devotion. Love is translated here into devotion. Devotion simply means a strong attachment to, a quest for. It's the filter that which you make your decisions through. So desire for equals devotion to. And the chief competitor for your life is the desire for your stuff. It enslaves us and prevents us from living the blessed life. Our desire for stuff. So how do you live a generous life? How do I make sure that my heart is fully surrendered to Christ? And today we don't need to, what we need is for Jesus to change our hearts. And he's already told us how to begin the process. And today we're going to give some practical application to it. So how to develop a generous heart? The answer is give. Giving tells God you're in charge. Giving allows God, the great physician, to perform surgery on your heart. Where every time you get money or extra time, you you give some of it away and you prove this is not my master, you are. I can't serve both of you, so I'm going to prove to you, God, that you are the one who I give my life to. So three ways we develop a generous heart when it comes to giving is the first one is this, is you have to give sacrificially. You have to give of your time, of your talents, of your treasure, resources, sacrificially. It can't be a tip. It can't be a a little bit off the the extra that we get out of the surplus. It it has to be sacrificial. And I'm going to show you in a parable Jesus told, or a story Jesus told. This wasn't a parable. This was a true story. In Mark 12, 41 through 44, maybe you've heard this before, the widow's mites. It says that Jesus sat down opposite at the place where the offerings were put in, and he watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. So imagine being in church. And we, we had the offering bucket up here at front. There was no online giving and no checks. You either had coin or cash, and that's what you gave. And so we put the bucket up here, and Jesus just stood right here and watched all of you come on up. 
Can you imagine that, right? So it says Jesus is sitting opposite. He's watching. He's with his disciples. He's watching people put in large amounts of money. And, it, and, and, and then it says this poor widow came and put in two very small coins. And in this translation, this was the least, it was leptos, which, which meant two mites, was the least valuable coin in circulation. It was worth one 128th of a denarius or about six minutes of a daily wage. That's all it was, two mites. And she came. She put her two mites in, and Jesus calls his disciples over, and he says, hey, guys, look, truly I tell you, this poor widow right here, she gave more than anyone else. And they're like, uh, Jesus, I know you were a carpenter, and math was never your strong suit, uh, but uh, did you see what homeboy over here put in? Did you see? I saw it. It was a lot. It was way more than her. And Jesus goes, no, no, look, you, you guys still aren't getting how my kingdom works. You're still not understanding what this, what this really means. And so when it comes to Jesus, who's the biggest giver? And he says it's the widow. And we go, well, how could it be more? Because Jesus doesn't think in terms of dollars. He thinks in terms of percentages or I would say sacrifice. The sacrifice in which it was given. So Jesus told his guys in the kingdom of heaven, it's, it, it's about sacrifice. It's not about a dollar amount. It's about what it cost you. Was it a sacrificial gift that really displayed that this is where your heart is? That your heart is mine. You see, they all gave out of their wealth, he said, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in all that she had to live on. And his point is, is that it's not about the amount, it's about what it really costs you. You see, a lot of people think they're generous because they throw in a few bucks. Because you don't have to throw in anything, right? You don't have to give that person on the corner begging for money any money. So when you give him whatever, hey, I'm generous. And it says that God isn't looking at the dollar amount. He's not really concerned with that. He's concerned about what our hearts you got to look at this through that lens. It's not about how much. It's about the heart which you give it behind. And he's saying if you really want to live a blessed life, we must give sacrificially, not just out of our surplus. We give sacrificially to God to develop a generous heart. The antidote against greed in this culture, what you have to do is, one, give sacrificially. It just can't be out of surplus. It has to be sacrificial of your time and of your money. Because for some of you, time is more valuable than your money. You got plenty of money. What you don't have is plenty of time. So you give sacrificially, and every time you do, you say, God, it's not about me. It's about you. It's about your kingdom and how I can give to it. Then we got to give cheerfully. You got to give sacrificially and cheerfully. I don't know about you, but I am the king of something called buyer's remorse. There's certain purchases that I make that I immediately regret. And I go, why did I do that? Why did I put that in there? Why did I invest in that? Why did I give this? Well, you know, why did I buy, why did I buy that infomercial stuff? It doesn't really work, right? And we, we regret things and immediately wish we could get it back. But can I tell you today? That I've been following Jesus since I was 14 years old. And I was naive enough to just trust the pastor when he told me, even at that age, that you need to begin to give of yourself sacrificially to the Lord. 
So I started serving at church in the youth ministry. I started tithing off of my bagger. I was a bagger at Kroger, right? That was when they had baggers that actually bagged your groceries and took them to your car, right? That was the good old days, right? I was, that was me. And I would, I would tithe. I would give of my money. And, and I've never, ever, so since I was 14, I'm 37 now. In all of those years, I've never, ever had buyer's remorse out of giving something away to someone who needed it. Of giving of myself to God's kingdom. Of giving of my resources to Adventure Church. Why? Because, man, my heart is in this place. I love this place. I love what it does for you. I love what it does for my kids. I love what it does in the community. So I never have remorse or regret over what I've invested. I can give cheerfully to the Lord. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 9. He starts out and he's talking about this offering that these people were receiving to send to someone else who was in need of it. And he says, so I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift, the offering you promised, is ready to go. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. And he goes on in verse 7. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Why does this matter again? Because what is God after? Is he after your money at just a dollar amount? And God goes, yep, you gave enough. Thank you. I'm happy with you. No. He's after your heart. And he knows that where your heart is, your treasure will be there too. And so he says, when you invest in me and you do so sacrificially, it costs you something because it costs me a lot to allow you to do this. He goes, so when you give that way and you give cheerfully with a grateful and and a cheerful heart, he says, I know that your heart's with me. And when God has your heart, he can do a lot in your life. He can change your marriage. He can change your kids. He can change your career. He can change your financial situation. He can do those things when he has your heart. And so it's saying God loves someone who gives cheerfully, who's excited to make an investment of their time and of their treasure into God's kingdom. And he says, and when we do that, God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Does that sound like the blessed life to you? Plenty for yourself, plenty for others. He says the key is giving cheerfully to the Lord. He goes on in verse 10, he says, For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. Paul says you've got to believe this. It all comes from him. He's the one who's provided it. In the same way, he'll provide for your increase. He'll provide and increase your resources and then a great, produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched, blessed in every way so that you can always be generous. I say it like this. He continues to bless so you continue to be a blessing. And it says, when, when we take your gifts to those who need them, they'll thank God for it. Not you. They'll thank the one who provided it for you. You see, we have to believe this. We're not owners of our stuff. We're managers of it. We're stewards of it. It's all his. You're just in charge of stewarding it. Of using it. The right way. You see, in this perspective, it's all God's. It loosens your grip on your money and its grip on you. That's what it does. But do you believe that? 
It's all his. Every good thing comes from him. Every blessing's from him. Everything he's given me is because he loves me and he's blessed me and he's blessed me so I can be a blessing to others. And God says the more you understand that concept and the more generous you become, the more blessed you will be. Not because you get more, but because you are able to give more. But God can trust us. The most generous people I know. Some, for some reason, their businesses are blessed. Some reason, God continues to bless them more. Why? Because when they get more, they don't view it. Greed is the assumption that when I get more, it's for me. But generosity says, no. God's blessing me so I can be a blessing to others. The band's going to come. We're going to close out. How many of you are happy we're getting through this? I told you, man. You see, when you, when you allow God to begin to work in your heart, it's not always convenient. It's not always painless, Right? I've had surgery before. There was nothing that was pain-free about it. But I needed it so I could get healthy. And sometimes God has to deal with our hearts because our hearts aren't where we need them to be. And it's okay because we're all in the same boat, aren't we? Because I'm greedy sometimes. And I'm selfish sometimes. And I don't always like to serve. And I don't always like to give of myself. And I don't always like to give of my money. I struggle with that. We all struggle with that. It's how we're born. It's the culture we live in. But we have to believe that God's way is better. That it really is the key to the blessed life. You see, we got to give sacrificially. Not just from our surplus, but something that's a sacrifice. We give cheerfully. And lastly, you give gratefully. You see, when it comes to giving, and hopefully you've picked this up, motive matters with God. Your motive matters. So today, we're not taking up a special offering or anything like that, right? Because that would be manipulation. I would be, I could say things and put pictures on the screens of people we help and children in different countries who are in need. And some of you would go, oh man, that commercial gets me every time, right? But God says, I don't want someone who gives like that. I want someone whose heart is in this, that that they truly see me for who I am and that I'm a good father who loves them and who's given them everything and that if they give back to me, it'll change their life. You see, God is concerned about the heart. He judges the heart. Motive matters. And he says, I want people who give cheerfully but also gratefully, that we understand and we remember where we would be if it wasn't for God. You see, that's the place that I have to get myself back to. That's what recenters me when I become selfish, when, I be, when my motives aren't pure like they need to be. I got to remember that I was lost. That even at 14 years old, I was in bondage to sin and addiction. And that God came in and through an invitation began to do a work in my life and began to do a work in my family. You see, I was doomed for destruction and God saved me that he redeemed me, that I came to a knowledge of who he was and that Jesus paid for my debt. You see, I believe this. It's why it's one of our core values that you could never outgive God because God so loved the world that he gave his son for you, that Jesus willingly gave his life and paid a price that you and I couldn't pay. And so I keep that in perspective that God loved me and gave his life for me. But not only that, then he gave me a purpose. You see, then 
I discovered what I was created for. He gave me value. He blessed me with an amazing wife. He blessed me with amazing children that I get the opportunity to love and care for and, and lead them. He, he blessed me with an amazing church of people that I get to do life with, that, that I literally enjoy every activity we do together because I'm with people that I truly love and care about. He's given me this. He's the one who's blessed me. You see, it's not an obligation to give of myself and of my resources to the work of the Lord because I know, beside a shadow of a doubt, without Him, I'm nothing. Without God's work in my life, I'd still be lost and who knows where I would be. I've realized and I've come to this realization that if it wasn't for God, I would be lost, bound up, enslaved to this world so far from the blessed life. You see, he gave everything for me. And it's not an obligation, it's an honor to give it back. So every time I give, I give gratefully. Every time I can give more, I do so gratefully with a cheerful heart because I'm happy to invest my best in the kingdom of God. But to live this out, you gotta surrender every area of your life to the Lord. You gotta give him your heart. You see, more money isn't gonna change your heart. We think that, well, as soon as I get more, I'll give more. It doesn't work that way. More money just makes you more of what you already are. So the answer isn't more money. What's the answer? It's we have to develop a generous heart and it takes God's work partnering with us. It's a partnership. God works with a willing heart. Motive matters. He goes, I see your heart. I can work with that. Let's work with this. Let's do this together. I have a blessed life that I've prepared for you. And if you want to get to it, more money isn't going to make you more happy. The key isn't going, you can't acquire your way to, to the fulfillment, to the blessed life. Jesus says, guard against every kind of greed because it will rob you of life. It will take life away from you. But we got to allow God to, to do a work in our hearts. And only Jesus and more of him can change our hearts this morning. It's the only answer. So can we do that today as we begin this series, as we get into this for the next few weeks? And we're going to be highlighting some of our people we support. And again, this isn't about our church. And we're going to be showing you ministries. And we take up our annual once a year missions offering at the end of next month. And we give all of it away. We don't keep any of it for ourselves. It's not about any of that. But we get to this place where we go, God, you have my heart. Would you bow your head with me just for a second? And could you just posture yourself in that place today and just say, God, here's my heart. Lord, you see me, you know me. God, I pray you would speak to my heart today. God, where am I at? God, I want the blessed life. We all want that. Lord, would you examine me today? Allow the great physician to take a look in you this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing this song. And as we do,
can you make this song your prayer today? It just says, here's my heart, Lord. Here it is. God, have your way in me. Do what you want to do in me. Would you stand with us? God, we give you our hearts today. We trust you. God, we believe that your way is better than our way. That your ways are higher than our ways. And we believe, God, that you have come to give us life and life to the full. You've come to give us the blessed life. But God, it doesn't always come the way we think it does. So today, God, we believe your word, not my words, Lord, your word today. God, and we surrender to it. And we pray in these closing moments, God, that you would do a work in our heart, that we would see you for who you truly are. God, and that we would give all to you. In Jesus' name.